0: Thanks for joining us for The Whole Spectrum. I'm Catherine Parks and I'm here with my husband Eric to talk about what it means in the words of Francis Schaeffer for the Lordship of Christ to permeate the whole spectrum of life. And for us, our view of art in particular. We love to discuss the films we see from a Christian perspective. So we invite you to join us as we cover the whole spectrum of the movie world, from classics to independent films to blockbusters. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of The Whole Spectrum. And today we're talking about food. More specifically, movies about food. And uh, when I suggested foodie movies to Eric, he was a little dubious maybe of um, such a topic. But here's the deal. Every once in a while, I watch a movie about food and I get really inspired to be creative in the kitchen and, um, you know, maybe to put away the boxes of craft shells and macaroni and make something decent for dinner. And so I have thought a lot about why is that? Why, um, why do movies motivate artistry in different ways and creativity? And so we started talking about some of our favorite food movies And we asked some friends on Facebook for some of theirs and got some good ideas, so we wanted to talk about that today. One of the things we have discussed and that I've written just a little bit on in the past is kind of a theology of feasting. So we see Genesis uh, 2 and 3 that Adam and Eve are placed in the garden, and it's so wonderful and lush, and um, they're given every good thing. Everything that they see is pleasing to their eyes and is good for eating. And of course, we know that goes south pretty quickly. But the end of Scripture in Revelation has a feast. Everything culminates with the marriage supper of the Lamb. And throughout the Bible, we see food used, um, food and drink used as imagery, not just for communion for the body and the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice for us, but as God's means of provision and um, rejoicing and celebration and even the idea that we're to taste and see that the Lord is good. So our senses are invited into our worship of God. And so we talked a little bit about that. And Eric, you found a really great quote along those lines that you wanted to share.
1: This quote comes from the book, Eat with Joy, Redeeming God's Gift of Food. And the author is Rachel Marie Stone. Uh, In it, she says, here's a little experiment you can try. Every time you eat out, see how many words like decadent, temptation, sin, and guilt you find on the menu. These are theological sorts of terms, and what they suggest about our culture is very interesting. We have a tendency to regard the sort of food we most crave and the pleasure they give us as something of a trap. What I suggest is that food is delicious as well as nourishing because God is that and more. Jesus feeds the crowds with actual bread before saying, I am the bread of life. We are invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. What I am suggesting is that the pleasures of eating are not accidental or incidental, nor are they ends in and of themselves. The pleasures of eating invite us to taste the goodness of a generous God who gives us the capacity to experience things that we don't, strictly speaking, need such as pleasure and beauty. So some of that is generally just about art, I think, and the beauty, the inherent beauty of art. And that's one of the things I love so much about museums. Uh, Our time in Paris, I thought, was so wonderful. A few years back, just getting to see art and enjoy things. We see things outside in creation that the Lord has created, Uh, the beauty of trees, sunshine, mountains, things like that. But Also, things painted on canvases, things put to a movie screen. And today we're talking about artistry um, in food and so kind of the theology of food.
0: So along those lines, we invited, like I said, uh, some friends to make some suggestions. And um, thank you for those of you who helped us out with that. Some of the movies that were suggested are things that we actually have never seen. So, uh, we have some films that we want to put on a, a to watch list, such as our friend Kara recommended Haute Cuisine, a French film, I think. Is that? I mean, the title sounds French. It's got to be French, right? French. <laughs> uh, one that we saw several years back, The Big Night, and we actually can't remember much about it. So, we might need to check that one out again.
1: I think a couple people threw in Spanglish which is the Adam Sandler movie from a few years back. I've never seen it, but maybe it's a food movie, so we might have to check that one out.
0: Yeah, I think a breakfast sandwich was mentioned on that one, so uh, I'm all in if it includes bread. So um, those are some that might be worth checking out. You can let us know if you've seen them. But we wanted to talk about a few of our favorite foodie films, and that, for me starts with uh, a German film called Mostly Martha that I saw back in college, and it's definitely a top five foodie movie for me. Uh, It's the story of a a German woman, Martha, who's a chef, and Like I think a lot of food movies, it's about the power of food to break down barriers and to open people up to friendship or love in kind of a unique way that food has the power to do. And so it's kind of a German meets Italian uh, personality and food kind of film, and it's really good.
1: One that I have not seen but you said you have seen is The 100-Foot Journey. The, I believe that came out last year, and I think it features lots of Indian food. And you went to India last year. Mm-hmm. And so since then, you've come back with all these wonderful spices and delicious things, and you've been making a lot of great Indian cuisine lately. So do you do you dig that movie? Anything in particular that sticks out?
0: Yeah, I think that was um, – it's, it's a little bit formulaic and sort of taking uh, – you know, two sides of the coin and this person only does things this way and this one only does things that way and they're both kind of stuck in their own way of doing things and and so you see over time that barriers are broken and um, people start to see kind of the fusion of two cultures colliding and um, kind of the the beauty of both. So there's some great food scenes in that film and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point that you brought up that um, I have always thought I didn't like certain cuisine until, you know, I went to India and came back, like you said, with all these spices, all these things I had never tried. And, and I think food has the power to um, to teach us a lot of things. But I think kind of like in The 100-Foot Journey, there's... The idea that food has the power to break down some barriers and to help us to see other cultures, other people through a different lens and kind of appreciate things that we didn't understand or have any knowledge of before.
1: Another couple movies that people on social media helped us out with were Chef and Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Both of those we saw last year at some point, uh, last year or the year before, and I think we both enjoyed them. I I didn't just love either of them, but they both make me want a Cuban sandwich and sushi more often, so that was good for me.
0: Full disclosure, we both fell asleep in Gerald James' sushi. Okay, that
1: was a little slow, but the sushi did look really good.
0: (laughs) And I think I liked Chef a little bit more than you did. But again, that's another film that demonstrates the power of food and kind of the collective shared experience of both cooking and eating to build bridges and break down barriers and bring people together, in that case, in a family, which, uh, you know, I think is really fun. Some of these films feature huge feasts, and some of them are small, ordinary daily meals. And you see in both the beauty of coming around a table together or standing You know, and chopping something together and um, the kind of side by side experience has the power to to kind of equalize us.
1: Like I said earlier, we we visited Paris a few years back and soon after we got back from there, we watched the movie Julie and Julia about Julia Child and her time writing her famous cookbook. And you just came back on fire wanting to make all these delicious French meals like boeuf bourguignon. (laughs) (laughs) and so that was really exciting for me I love the French cuisine and and when we were there we did have at least one really big long three hour delicious meal at this restaurant it was great
0: that's a film that we tend to shorten by about half no offense to Julie but Julia's part is a lot more interesting so we tend to skip the Julie bits except for that one scene where she's making um, it's a bruschetta with the, the bread and the she's frying the bread and putting the tomatoes on it you know what i'm talking about
1: no but it really sounds good
0: you don't remember that? Right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth is watering right now you guys remember this right you're with me
1: another one that somebody put on social media was the movie pieces of april starring Kate... not
0: just someone my mom you yes your mom shout out.
1: sure linda strode yay uh <laughs> starring katie holmes and this i absolutely love this movie it's so good A small little indie film from, goodness, I don't know, early 2000s, maybe? Uh, It's been a while since I've seen it. And I didn't think of it initially as a food movie. But when you consider the plot, it really does center around this girl, April, who's trying to get a Thanksgiving meal ready for her family, who's coming to visit her in New York City. And it's all the trials and tribulations of the day as she tries to get a turkey cooked in an oven, which doesn't work, and trying to borrow a neighbor's oven... Anyway, uh, it is fantastic, so I suggest that one highly.
0: Yeah, and again, I, that's another one where it's almost like there's this hope in it that this meal, this food, has the power to heal relationships that have been broken for a long time. And I think even in watching it, you kind of join in with that hope that that maybe something will change because maybe this family will sit down and have a meal together, and it could be really great if it actually happens.
1: I think another one that nobody put on there is Nacho Libre. It deals with nachos. <laughs> oh. They talk about salad. They talk about getting that corn out of my face. Okay. So that's a lot of food in there. Um, but seriously, let's let's skip that and go to some other ones. So two, <laughs> I believe, of the more important ones, uh, important? I don't know if that's a great way to say it. Two of the ones that you and I think like the best. One would be Chocolat from 2000 starring Juliette Binoche. It is about a lady and her daughter who who come into town on the wind. They enter a small rural French town in the, I don't know, it's kind of a period piece. Uh, And it's very, it's, the town is run kind of by this mayor who wants power and he and the townspeople are extremely legalistic and he set up all these rules For the people of the town and there's just no delight there's no joy in this town and it's uh, very much law based but when juliette binoche comes into town she and her daughter set up this little chocolate shop she's a wonderful chuck chocolatier (laughs) (laughs) chocolatey chef and she starts making all these decadent delights and people of the towns are really convinced she's evil and of the devil First of all, because she is not married and has a daughter. This woman is very free. She loves freedom. She loves doing whatever she wants. So when watching this, it seems like it's a pretty rough indictment on the church. It shows a town that is just drab and boring and rule-abiding, and they're just joyless. And then this lady comes into town, and she's kind of seemingly evil, but she is the one who's going to come into town and set everyone free and help people experience the the fullness of God's beauty and bounty and freedom.
0: As with most films, this is not a perfect representation. And so, of course, we see that the Juliette Binoche character is flawed as well in her view of maybe being overly tolerant and kind of so overly negative of organized religion. Now, some of that is no doubt because the church has done such a poor job, and particularly in this town, um, the people practice outward righteousness, but there's no inward love. And so, you know, you can't say one way is showing truth and one way is not. It's a little bit more complicated than that. But I do think it invites us as viewers to ask ourselves, are we putting our... um, pride or putting more stock in kind of this outward um, what we don't do and uh, neglecting the opportunity to enjoy all of the things that God created for us to enjoy and inviting other people to come alongside of us and do that as well, um, instead of just focusing on what isn't allowed. Which brings me to a quote that I found by the late Episcopal priest Robert Ferrer Capon, and uh, he wrote a book about the marriage feast or the marriage supper of the lamb. And, um, and this is what he said about kind of that idea of us tasting what the world has to offer. He said, We were given appetites not to consume the world and forget it, but to taste its goodness and hunger to make it great. This is the inconsolable heartburn, the lifelong disquietude of having been made in the image of God. And so that brings us to, I think, probably our favorite foodie movie, or one of the ones that we think is best. And that is...
1: That would be Babette's Feast. Uh, I don't know who all seen it, but it's a movie from 1987. It's Danish, so it's got subtitles. I think it's based on a short story called Babette's Feast. And uh, the story is great. It's about a woman who kind of mysteriously comes into town and ends up living with these two sisters Again kind of like Chocolat it's a small very staunch legalistic town and they still are kind of and they're still very much set in their ways and they're not going to venture out from them everything is they believe in modesty they believe in <laughs> kind of drabness in some ways um frugality Sure and then Babette comes in and she is um leaving Paris because there's a civil war that's going on there And she just wants to serve. She's not even asking for wages. She just wants to serve, and she lives with these um, two sisters who happen to be the daughters of the minister in town who had a great influence on the people of the town. But he's since passed, and his parishioners are slowly dying off. So the town is uh, very small, um, but she's there to to serve these sisters.
0: So Babette finds out that she has won a... An exorbitant amount of money in the lottery. And so she asks if she can make uh, a feast for to honor the late minister's birthday. And, uh, and that's what she does. And so the film builds to this feast scene where Babette cooks a real French meal for these people who have basically been taught that Um, the taste of food is not important and what they wear is not important everything should be as simple as possible because all of their joy will come in paradise so they're not to think about enjoying things in their current state on earth there's this long feast scene where you see some of um, the beauty of of food and what it can do and you see them slowly relaxing and enjoying and Babette talks about how food can create love and that's exactly what you see happening around the table in this scene and it's really really beautiful.
1: Well and that's part of the fun too is seeing all these older people around who are trying really hard not to enjoy this you know (laughs) 15 course meal of just fantastically delightful foods and they start to lick their lips or they start to kind of smile or they ask for another glass of wine and they, you know, they just start to thaw. And particularly this um, army, army captain, army, somebody who's there, he, he's not part of the town. So he's just really enjoying this thing um, because he's been to these great Parisian cafes and Parisian restaurants. And so he starts talking about, wow, there was this one chef this female that i went to uh her restaurant once in paris and she made the most amazing meal ever and some of the things that were served there are being served tonight and so the people are really you know they're interested in what's going on here and then come to find out
0: whoa spoiler
1: okay spoiler alert so if you want to tune out for the next like 60 seconds now would be the time to turn it off
0: i feel like the spoilers already happened
1: (laughs) So the spoiler is that Babette has spent all of her, I think it was 10,000 francs, spent all the money, which is a huge amount of money from the lottery, spent it all on this dinner for f- however many people it is. Twelve. For 12 people, a dinner in Paris would have cost about 10,000 francs. And so once the sisters find this out, they're absolutely in awe. They just can't believe it. This is this is grace at its finest shown to the these <laughs> undeserving people who were kind of jerks at the beginning, but by the end of the feast, you see them smiling, you see them reconciling, you see them outside singing, holding hands. It's just, it's a beautiful scene at the end.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of the illustration of, I think, the quotes that we both read of the beauty of tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord through the gifts that he's given us, and one of those is obviously food. And, one of the last lines of that film, Babette's feast, talks about um, how Babette will never cook in Paris again, and she'll never have the opportunity to cook another meal like this. And um, she talks, she refers to herself as an artist. And what one of the sisters says to her is that uh, one day she will and be in paradise and she will be the artist she was meant to be, and how much the angels will enjoy her cooking. And I thought about that, you know, even in reading this quote that we have this this hunger to make greatness, to taste the world's goodness and make it great. And that's that longing that we have for the marriage feast of the Lamb, for the new heavens and the new earth, for everything that's wrong to be undone and for us to truly taste and see fully that the Lord is good and to taste and see his gifts and so I think you know when we see things like this in film and we see the beauty of food and cooking and people doing amazing things with it it's meant to create in us a longing for something that can't really be satisfied fully here and yet we can still enjoy it while it points to the greater reality to come I think there are some of these that just demonstrate a love and a passion for food, and I really like that. And so I think Ratatouille is one of those. Julie and Julia is like that, the 100-foot journey. Uh, it's just kind of a really good representation of passion and artistry.
1: Someone suggested supersize Me, so I really want a Big Mac about now, <laughs> but I don't feel like there's a lot of artistry there. But can it not be one of God's good gifts? One of God's heart it, attack? No. <laughs>
0: disqualified Uh, I believe your friend Dave Schrader recommended Temple of Doom
1: oh brother yeah Temple of Doom for the dinner scene with what is it chilled chilled monkey brains (laughs) that looked really good eyeball soup I believe thanks Dave that's just such a great suggestion after talking about food and watching movies about food what do you want to eat most right now
0: a Cuban sandwich I realized after watching Chef I've never actually had one. And that's kind of the centerpiece of the whole movie and I feel like my food education is lacking.
1: Yeah, I think I've had one in uh Back to Cuba here in Nashville. That's a good one.
0: Okay. What about you? What are you craving? But it's
1: no Big Mac. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> a Big Mac.
1: I just want Help any me. anything. Help me. <laughs> anything chocolate. I want anything chocolate. I love chocolate. Dark chocolate really. So that's what I'm always craving, and especially in watching Chocolat, everything looks great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening, and let us know what you want to eat or what films you maybe want to try out now that you have heard our glowing recommendations, Nacho Libre notwithstanding. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.